Section 2 of The Colored People of Chicago. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Colored People of Chicago by Louise DeCoven Bowen. Section 2. Four Colored Settlements in Chicago. As a careful study of the housing conditions of colored people made by the students of the Chicago School of Civics and Philanthropy ascertained, there are four well-defined districts in which colored people have resided for a number of years, one at Inglewood, one at 55th Street and Lake Avenue, one on the west side, and the largest known as the Black Belt, which includes the old 22nd Street segregated vice district in this so-called belt the number of children is remarkably small forming only a little more than one-tenth of the population while the lodgers constitute thirty-seven per cent of the population the investigation made by the school of civics showed that only twenty-six per cent of the houses on the south side and thirty-six per cent of the houses on the west side colored district were in good repair Colored tenants reported that they found it impossible to persuade their landlords either to make the necessary repairs or to release them from their contracts, but that it was so hard to find places in which to live that they were forced to endure unsanitary conditions. The investigation by the School of Civics confirmed the general impression that the rent paid by a Negro is appreciably higher than that paid by any other nationality in a flat building formerly occupied by white people the white families paid a rent of twelve dollars for a six-room apartment for which a negro family are now paying sixteen dollars a white family paid seventeen dollars for an apartment of seven rooms for which the negroes are now paying twenty dollars real estate and the colored tenant the Negro real estate dealer frequently offers to the owner of an apartment house, which is no longer renting advantageously to white tenants, cash payment for a year's lease on the property, thus guaranteeing the owner against loss, and then he fills the building with colored tenants. It is said, however, that the agent does not put out the white tenants unless he can get 10% more from the colored people. By this method, the Negroes now occupy many large apartment buildings, but the Negro real estate agents obtain the reputation of exploiting their own race. Lodgers a Necessity High rents among the colored people, as everywhere else, force the families to take in lodgers. Nearly one-third of the population in the district investigated on the south side and nearly one-seventh of the population in the district investigated on the west side were lodgers. While this practice is always found dangerous to family life, it is particularly so to the boys and girls of colored families who are often obliged to live near the vice districts. To quote from the report, the history of the social evil in Chicago is intimately connected with the colored population. Invariably, the larger vice districts have been created within or near the settlements of colored people. In the past history of the city, nearly every time a new vice district was created downtown or on the south side, 
the colored families within the district moved in just ahead of the prostitutes difficulties of buying property when it becomes possible for the colored people of a better class to buy property in a good neighborhood so that they may take care of their children and live respectably there are often protest meetings among the white people in the vicinity and sometimes even riots a striking example of the latter occurred within the past three years on the west side of chicago a colored woman bought a lot near a small park upon which she built a cottage it was not until she moved into the completed house that the neighbors discovered that a colored family had acquired property there they immediately began a crusade of insults and threats when this brought no results a night raid company was organized in the middle of the night a masked band broke into the house told the family to keep quiet or they would be murdered then they tore down the newly built house destroying everything in it this is of course an extreme instance but there have been many similar to it quite recently at wilmette a suburb of chicago animosity against negro residents resulted in the organization of an anti-negro committee which requested the dismissal of all negroes who were employed in the town as gardeners janitors etc because the necessity of housing their families depressed real estate values housing of the well-to-do colored people the juvenile protective association as a supplement to the previous housing investigations studied the conditions of fifty of the better homes occupied by the colored people of chicago those in the so-called black belt in the city those in a suburban district and other houses situated in blocks in which only one or two colored families lived the size of the houses varied from five to fourteen rooms averaging eight rooms each the conditions of the houses inside and out compared favorably with similar houses occupied by white families classified according to occupation the heads of the household in nine cases were railroad porters the next largest number were janitors then waiters and among them were found lawyers physicians and clergymen in only four instances was the woman of the house working outside the home only four of the homes took in lodgers and children were found in only fifteen of the fifty families studied the total of thirty-three children found in the fifty homes averages but two-thirds of a child for each family and but for one family a janitor living in a ten-room house and having eight children the average would have been but half a child for a family confirming the statement often made that while the poorer colored people in the agricultural districts of the south like the poor italians in rural italy have very large families when they move to the city and become more prosperous the birth rate among colored people falls below that of the average prosperous american family from the homes situated in white neighborhoods only two reported indignation meetings when they showed up and added quiet now one other reported no affiliation with white neighbors still another white neighbors visit in time of sickness and the third was able to say neighbors friendly of the ownership of the fifty homes thirty-five were owned by colored men twelve by white landlords and the ownership of three was not ascertained thirty-four of the houses were occupied by their owners 
few prosperous colored men born in chicago in addition to the fifty families living in comfortable homes one hundred more cases of fairly prosperous colored families were investigated it was found that only six of the heads of these families had been born in chicago that seventy-seven had come from the south all of the southern states were represented twenty-four of the men were from kentucky and nineteen from tennessee only six of the ninety-two men born outside of the state had been brought to chicago as children while seventy-one of the number had come to the city between the ages of sixteen and twenty-six they as well as the older men had come hoping for better conditions their reasons being variously put as higher wages learning a trade to get a home to make big money to get a position for more freedom for more schooling etc although in nineteen cases the reason given was curiosity an attempt doubtless to formulate the desire for adventure prosperity does not remove race prejudice of the men from the south every one had improved his condition those who said their condition had not improved had been formerly working in the large cities of the east or north where living expenses were less than in chicago only one received lower wages in chicago he had earned sixteen dollars a week before coming to the city and now earns nine dollars two said their conditions had not improved because they had been let off by fast company the incomes varied from nine dollars a month to one hundred and fifty three dollars and sixty cents a month the average wage was sixty seven dollars thirty two cents a month sixteen of the men owned real estate and six others had liberal bank accounts these results probably compare favorably with one hundred white immigrants but the colored man insists that the immigrant has the advantage for when he learns the language of the country and adopts american ways he gradually lives down any prejudice against him while the colored man can never make himself acceptable to the white man and believes he is often disliked in proportion to his prosperity family life among the poorer negroes in contrast to these one hundred cases of negro men who were fairly successful one hundred cases of colored families were taken from the files of the juvenile protective association representing of course as do the white families whose names are on the records of the association people who were unable to adequately protect their children these cases however proved to be typical in so far as the occupations of the men were confined to very few lines of activity forty-five of them were porters sixteen janitors thirteen laborers the rest scattered in different kinds of work teamsters waiters cooks musicians etc the striking difference between them and the more prosperous families lay in the fact that the women were obliged to work of the women in these families only fourteen stayed at home of the others twenty-six were day workers in households twelve worked in laundries seven were prostitutes the others worked at various occupations two were hairdressers one a music teacher etc of the one hundred families thirty were self-supporting sixteen did not support their families at all while fifty-four were dependent on outside assistance in regard to their family status 
66 lived an unbroken family. In 21 cases, the husband and wife were separated. Seven women were deserted. There were three cases of illegal relationship. Out of the 100 cases, there were seven intermarriages. In two instances, white men had married colored women. In five instances, white women had married colored men. Eighty-six mothers out of one hundred go out to work. Out of the one hundred poor families taken from the Juvenile Protective Association records, it was found that eighty-six of the women went out to work. While there is no doubt that this number is abnormally high, it is always easier for a colored woman to find work than it is for a colored man, partly because white people have the traditions of colored servants, and partly because there is a steadier demand and a smaller supply of household workers, wash and scrub women, than there is of the kind of unskilled work done by men. Even here, colored people are discriminated against, and although many are employed in highly respectable families, there is a tendency to engage them in low-class hotels and in other places where white women do not care to go. Percentage of Colored Women Working no figures are available later than 1900, but in a governmental report made then, the colored women in Chicago constituted 42.5% of the breadwinners of their race, slightly lower than the 43.2% given in the census reports for the entire United States. This is more than double the proportion of white women employed, which the census gives as 20.6% of the entire white population. Only 0.04% of working white women are married. School irregularity common among colored children. As 60% of Negro working women over 16 years of age are married, there is no doubt that many colored children are neglected. Investigators found from consultation with the principals of the schools largely attended by colored children that they are irregular in attendance and often tardy, that they are eager to leave school at an early age, although in one school where there is a great deal of manual work, this tendency is less pronounced. Colored children, more than any others, are kept at home to care for younger members of the family while the mother is away at work. A very persistent violation of the compulsory education law, recently tried in the municipal court, disclosed the fact that a colored brother and sister were alternately kept out of school to care for the younger children, who had been refused admittance in a day nursery, that the old woman who cared for the little household for 25 cents a day was ill, and that the mother had been obliged to keep the older children at home in order to retain her place in a laundry. At the very best, the school attendance of her five children had been most unsatisfactory, for she left home every morning at half-past six, and the illiterate old woman took little interest in school. The lack of home discipline perhaps accounts for the indifference to all school interests on the part of many colored children, although this complaint is not made of those in the high schools who come from more prosperous families. The most striking difference in the health of the colored children compared to that of the white children in the same neighborhood was the large proportion of the case of rickets due of course to malnutrition and neglect 
the colored people themselves believe that school authorities are more interested in a school whose patronage is predominantly white no congenial employment for refined girls it was found that young colored girls like the boys often become desperately discouraged in their efforts to find employment high school girls of refined appearance after looking for weeks will find nothing open to them in department stores office buildings or manufacturing establishments save a few positions as maids in the women's waiting rooms such girls find it continually assumed by the employment agencies to whom they apply for positions that they are willing to serve as domestics in low-class hotels and disreputable houses of course the agency does not explain the character of the place to which the girl is sent but on going to one address after another she finds that they are all of this kind quite recently an intelligent colored girl who had kept a careful record of her experiences with three employment agencies came to the office of the juvenile protective association to see what might be done to protect colored girls less experienced and self-reliant than herself against similar temptations quite recently a young colored girl who at the age of fifteen had been sent to a house of prostitution by an employment agency was rescued from the house treated in a hospital and sent to her sister in a western state she there married a respectable man is now living in a little home almost paid for the case of eliza m who has worked as a cook in a disreputable house for ten years is that of a woman forced into vicious surroundings in addition to her wages of five dollars a week in food which she is permitted to take home every evening to her family she has been able to save her generous tips for the education of her three children for whom she is very ambitious insult to girls common colored young women who are manicurists and hairdressers find it continually assumed that they will be willing to go to hotels under compromising conditions and when a decent girl refuses to go she is told that that is all she can expect there is no doubt that the few colored girls who find positions as stenographers or bookkeepers are much more open to insult than white girls in similar positions all these experiences tend to discourage the young people from that education which their parents so eagerly desire for them and also makes it extremely difficult for them to maintain their standards of self-respect end of section two